It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Canvas Business Podcast. With me today, i got a couple of guests. That's Mitch Trellis and Brandon Marksdale with Remedy Capital. Thanks, Josh. Nice to see you. For those that don't know, what do you guys do? We own dispensaries in Maryland. We have uh, two of the largest dispensaries in the state of Maryland. We've been in business for about five years now. And as you know, Maryland just went legal last week. So uh, we're looking at some big changes. That's that's good news. Now, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. How did you get the license before it went legal? What was the process like for that? It was similar to most um, you know, other states on the East Coast. It was a merit-based application process. It took us about 18 months. We probably spent between 600000 and a $1 million. Um, they were... The applications were mostly for grow, processing, and manufacturing licenses. We applied for all three. Uh, we won just the, the dispensary license. In retrospect, five years later, it's probably a, it's probably a, a nice problem to have had. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, yeah, that's we've been here, and we also we won the, the store in our my partner and I's hometown. So our store is actually two miles from where, we, where I was born. That's cool. Yeah, so we, we applied in only one district in the state of Maryland. It was our hometown, and we won in our, our hometown. So. That's quite the risk. Yeah, you, know, you didn't know if there was going to be some kind of uh, moratorium or limits or whatever, but you just went for it. We went for it. Yeah. You're going to be the hometown hero. We're trying. We're trying. It's funny because our town is a very liberal place. So in 27, 2014, within six months of the program starting, we had a letter from the county where we live in telling us that we were as right to grow, process, and sell medical marijuana in our in our county and in our, in our real estate. So, honestly, the state of Maryland and Howard County has been fantastic to us since the beginning. We, I don't think that we've had as much um, pushback or issues with those types of things as some other people have. You know, we have a lot of other issues. But. Um, you guys feel like there's going to be a lot of clients from D.C. crossing the border? Absolutely. I mean, uh, right now, D.C. is a great market. Um, there's a not-so-structured program in Virginia. I think uh, Maryland did it very well um, in terms of the medical market for us, and so I don't expect anything less as we go on to wreck. And I think there's a lot of people um, that actually aren't accounted for in our current, um, you know, medical license holders, right, like, as a, you know, in terms of the medical cards. And so I think as we start to pace up and catch up towards that, we'll also start to capture some of that market back to D.C., which is currently not regulated, and, and then also from Virginia, which also is a little bit light on the system. Yeah, there's always those border states that make a ton, you know, in the meantime, that's right. all over. I think New Mexico's pulling in from Texas. Texas, and Washington State, they're coming in from Idaho. So, so. so it's interesting. Maryland is, there's a point in Maryland where it's the only place in America that you can, let me get this right, you can walk and touch five states within, I want to say, a quarter mile. So there's a point where Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Maryland, they all come together within this one very interesting place. So the, the cross-border border opportunities in Maryland might be a little a little different than some other places. Again, you know, it's, West Virginia has no program. Pennsylvania doesn't have a recreational program. Ohio doesn't have a recreational program. All these places are, you know, they're big medical cannabis markets, but they don't have recreational programs. So. Are you guys jealous a little bit about the, the Boston area having so many colleges? There's like five universities right there. Does that matter in your world? I try my hardest to never get jealous. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, with Maryland, we do have uh, we do have a number of universities, two very large universities. Um, I think that we also are very transient in the sense of where we sit on the East Coast in the 95 quarter or 695 quarter. 
crossing point between North and South. That's, I think we'll get a lot of traffic from, from that in itself. People commuting from Maryland to Philly to Virginia to the Carolinas, all the way up north to New York. And I think it's a very um, unique you know, kind of opportunity for our market that a lot of states don't see because it's very densely populated in that, you know, north, east, mid-Atlantic, and the southern states as well. It's closer than what people think. What, what's next up for you guys? You've got your license. Um, is, it, is it trying to find a facility next? Or so we have, we've actually been operational for five years. Oh. Yeah, we're actually... As medical? As medical, yep. So we've, uh, we've seen about 32,000 patients. Um, we're actually, so what for next for us is we're moving our existing store to a new 10,000 square foot facility. We consider it to be the nicest dispensary in Maryland. And um, that's kind of, we're, we're making moves, you know, getting ready for what we, what we believe to be an increase in the market. And trying to serve our patients a little bit, a little bit nicer, nicer place. And we, Howard County, Maryland is the third wealthiest county in America. So, you know, we want to try to deliver a little more of a premium experience. And, you know, we're, we're pretty excited. Yeah. All right. I would imagine a lot of that has to do with D.C. bureaucrats, uh, the wealth factor. Yes, without a doubt, right? So we have the highest average income, third highest average income in America. Because, again, like you said, many people around us work for government-related businesses or with the government, right? And it's, they're not making a million dollars a year, but they're definitely making great money. So, you know, it's a very nice place to live. Um, it's a very liberal place. I think you mentioned earlier, education levels tend to, to increase the, the medical card uptake very highly educated population. So Maryland has been a fantastic medical market. What are you seeing uh, in terms of like product? Like what's what's some of the more popular things that people are coming through? It's a different market on the East Coast. I went to New York in September, went through a lot and saw uh, they're just basically bringing in California products. Yeah, and that was pretty crazy to me. Uh, with their food trucks on the streets and the just, just to hit on that real quick. Yeah. So New York has actually created a situation where a state like Maryland when they legalize is very focused on not having that situation, yeah. right? And that may that may change legislators' um, timelines, wherewithal, inclination. No one wants New York. Interesting. Okay, that's good. Um, to, to answer to answer your question, you know, alongside what Mitch just said, I mean, you know, flowers king in our markets. It's like most other markets. Around forty percent or sixty-two. I would say uh, edibles are probably very close behind that, and then of course concentrates as well. Okay, um, that's interesting. So, so would you say vape pens are more popular than pre rolls right now? I would say that pre rolls are more popular than vape pens. Okay, so it's not that conservative. No, last last year I would say vape pens. Three years ago, vape pens dominated. Dominated. Was I it vape gate that stopped? I think it? that yeah. I, I think that vape gate definitely slowed the growth of the vape market. No question. And it made people look for different form factors, right? And if you think about it, a pre-roll is a similar form factor to a vape pen in that it's somewhat convenient, right? It doesn't have the smell factor, but it does have the convenience. Like I carry it in my pocket. I pull, I pull it out. You know what I mean? So it's, it's easy to have. Yeah. Right? It's all about convenience, right? It really I mean, is about convenience. I can't just, like, light a blunt. That's my guilty pleasure, but I can't just blaze a blunt in the middle of the We all love to, but... I would, yeah. <laughs> I did last night because I begged for forgiveness, people. I love it. I get the Green Rush party. They're like, you can't. Or uh, uh, 
Grasslands party last night. They're like, yeah, you can't smoke. And I'm like, it's Grasslands. What are you talking about? I don't give a fuck. I am too old to care about that right now. <laughs> I, I mean, call it my privilege. Call it I don't give a shit. Call it whatever you want. I'm going to smoke. I am leading by example, people. As you should be. Follow the leader. As you should be. This place. I don't care. They didn't. That is one. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> I like his way. So, so back to back to Maryland with the um, COVID hit and delivery was the only way curbside. Whenever we saw, I think wasn't it Maryland that shut everything? No, no, no. Sorry, Massachusetts yes. shut and everything we, down. They were the only ones they, on the second day of COVID. They said that we are essential. And in the state of Maryland, most stores were not closed. Now we closed our store for two and a half years, but we had a we like to call we had Chick Fil A of weed outside of our store. So we did our, you know, we did massive numbers in, in the parking lot. Yeah. Did you, do you, are you guys doing delivery? We don't do delivery yet. Is, delivery is that is my le- choice? It's legal in the state of Maryland. It is my choice. Yeah. Okay. So with, with that influx, that's interesting because you guys are going against the grain. So you want more people to come in and you're like, nah, we're not going to do delivery. What, what was the ideology behind that, knowing that during that pandemic, everybody was driving and, and wanting that? What made you buck the trend? I think early, it was logistically difficult. We were already changing our entire business from being in-store to being in the park, parking lot. And that took tremendous, I mean, it was like pushing a rock uphill, right? Um, I think today, we've built businesses that are experiential. Our stores are large. They have store within stores. Um, they're unique experiences. And it would be counterintuitive to encourage people to order delivery, but at the end of the day, we spent a lot of time and energy and, and money building facilities that we would like the patients to come and experience. And that being said, we would, we would definitely at some point do that. I also think that there's a there's an education component that happens like in the store. Like learning about brands, seeing the different products that are out there, understanding the profiles of cannabinoids and CAC. And so when you're entering into like a recreational market or adult use market where people are exploring cannabis for the first time, that in-store experience is pretty critical for that first, second, third time experience as you're trying to get a lay of the land of what your cannabis journey is going to be like for whatever experience you're looking for. So, I mean, I think the choice that we made was, was right at the time, and it doesn't mean it's off the table forever, but, you know, like as we're investing in more kind of, you know, the store than a store concept and the retail experience from, you know, the actual consumer patient is super important for us and they get that attentive care and uh, experience. Yeah, I think people really true, truly do underestimate the logistical difficulties that come from, again, you're changing your entire business. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy to do. And the economic challenges, too. There's economic, there's tremendous economic challenges. Tremendous. Random question before we wrap this one up. Does anybody ever ask you for infused coffee? I'm, I'm home of Seattle Starbucks. I've been doing this for a long time, and nobody has coffee outside of Portland, Oregon. When 59% of the people are asked what their favorite beverage is, they say coffee. Now, another survey said 58% wanted water. So it's, it's almost half and half, whatever, but yet we still don't have infused coffee. Does anybody ask for it? I'm guessing not. <laughs> so my next question is, why? I think, I'll, I'll touch on that, because I do a lot of, a lot of like, uh, product studies. Because you guys have weird shit, like yeah, ice cream. That's true. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind when 
people think about coffee and cannabis, they think about like two opposite, you know, uh, a stimulant and something that's supposed to be like more of like a calm, relaxing type of experience. And so, not to say that cannabis and different terpene profiles can't do that, but I think when, when people look at it, they look at it and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm looking to do two opposite things. But they have teas, like, you know, the teas that actually are infused and things like that. Um, but, I mean, it's a great question. It doesn't mean it won't happen. And they have, like, you know, uh, K-cups and stuff. That's not exactly. coffee. I'm a snob. It's not coffee. But, I mean, I think, you know, some people that, you know, the teas, they have the honeys. They have, like, uh, I haven't seen, like, any, like, dairy-like products that are infused. It doesn't mean that it's, it's off the table. I also so. think because of, like, at least for someone like myself, I think of coffee, I think of Amsterdam, right? Amsterdam, coffee, coffee, exactly. Coffee and cannabis go together in those places. So I, it's almost like they're next to each other, not together. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you smoke a joint and drink a cup of coffee as opposed to drinking a cup of coffee that has a joint in it, which, I, again, I, that may be... It might that be the more efficient way to do it. It might be the more efficient way to do it. You know what I mean? But, but if you look, like, Google, everybody check this out. Google the molecule of coffee. You know what THC looks like in your mind. You already know what that looks like. Now Google uh, uh, coffee molecule, and you'll be shocked at similar how similar it is. Wow. And that's why that you have such a good. That's why they blend together. That's so why well. it reminds it me of Blue Dream of like 2015. You have like this euphoric. Why did you my favorite strain of my entire life? 2015 Blue Dream. It, was, it had yellow and orange hairs, big yeah. fat I'm nugs. Telling you, man, like that the best was, weed ever. Was the shit and the euphoria of it was incredible. Hell yeah. And it tasted like candy. I know. I you know about that weed. That was shit right there. But I think like great weed. But when I think about it, I also think like how rare like the teams are now. And so like I still think of like the synergy of like what's available mass and a lot of it is is hybrids, you know, sativa leaning hybrids, indica leaning hybrids. And I think from you know, experience like side by side, they're good compliments. You know, like coffee donuts. It's like you know, it, it feels good. But I think like when you, when you think about you know combining the two for, for that experience, I think people have uh, haven't quite you know got to the So Brandon, is that a result of people going in and asking for the highest THC at the lowest price point? Going well, we must have indica and high high percentage like hybrids. Whereas I smoke sativa all day long. So I've I use it therapeutically, exactly. but I'm high need to keep going. all day. You need to keep yeah. going. So and if I smoke indica, I'm going to shut up, exactly. and I can't work on it. If you're a little groggy and you're tired, and I'm, I'm the same as you. So people just hunting and, and, and going after like those new entrants of like high CHC, lowest price point. Because when I look for tequila, I don't look for the plastic bottle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't go after the highest rated alcohol. Let me tell you, I, how I, shop. I will say, like from my perspective, I think that the high THC will subside. You know, I think people will start to educate themselves more, learn more about cannabinoids, terpene profiles, and like what actually drives the experience, and not focus so much on the 151 proof of, of, of cannabis. You know. But that being said, I do think that we are caught right now in this awful swirl of a race to the bottom cheapest cannabis that has the highest THC and like you said that's the equivalent of the plastic bottle of tequila like if if you need to get it get as high as you can that's fine right but the truth is and I'm sure you know this as well like often the 30% doesn't do nearly as much as the 25% with good terms right and it's like you get the 35% first of all that's a world record three years ago so the lab obviously cheated since Maryland isn't full of the greatest you know what I mean it's not the collection of the greatest growers in the world but everybody's got 35 let's think of that for a second you know what I mean yeah. and so really that's a 27 and the 27 is going to be based on the turpentine profile yeah. and it's very you know different it's, it's very different the medical yeah. around the globe right like, 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 like typical super experience
require high potency as a and I think that's going to be a bridging point. As well, so. I do. I do think that the top ten percent, top twenty percent of smokers drive the entire conversation, and we and we have such high high tolerances that it, it. You know, I think this all the time, right? Like this person gives me this weed, and it's incredible. But when I go to smoke it, I don't get that high, right? But if a regular person smokes any of these, they're going to be like, I've never been this high in my life. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it's like, I don't know. I, I gave a 10 milligram to my business partner, exactly. and he, like, lost his money. And meanwhile, I'm popping 40s like it's nothing. Right. I wish I could feel something. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly. The tolerance issue is a really, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a, that's, a, that's something nobody ever talks about, but it's really, and you know, look, 20% of the people smoke 80% of the weed. That means all those 20 got crazy tolerance. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. I do. I'm one of them. I'm exactly. No question. All right. If people want to know more about Remedy, where can they find you at? Um, you can find us online. Uh, you can find us at Instagram. Um, it's Remedy underscore Maryland. Um, this is, again, we're everywhere now. So I'm really hopeful that, uh, you know, we get more people want to learn more about our brand, more about our store, within the store concept, retail experience, uh, how we're bringing brands into the state, what we're doing to expand that in Maryland. It's exciting times for us. Yeah, we're about to bring some great brands to the state. Yeah, yeah, we're going to definitely follow up with you because uh, I got another guy, Jimmy Young, uh, Green Rush, Spokane News Media, who's, who's right in your backyard. So, awesome. Yeah, we'll awesome. definitely follow up, but I think with that, we're going to have to roll this one up. So, one of the my guests, Brandon Barksdale and Major Trellis with Remedy. Thanks, y'all, for being on. Thank you so much, Josh. Appreciate the time. Yeah, Appreciate thanks, it. Josh. I'm Josh P.K. This is the Top Two Minutes. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.